Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as, Mary, when as, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Joseph. When we come to Matthew chapter 1, this is the first of the four Gospels in our New Testament. It has often been said that Matthew presents the Lord Jesus Christ as the king. Mark pictures Jesus Christ as the servant. Luke pictures him as the son of man. And John pictures him as the son of God. You'll also recall that Matthew and Luke are the only gospel accounts uh, that give an ancestry or give a genealogy. The reason being is in the book of Matthew, and, uh, and, and that is kind of my introduction, there's the ancestors in verses 1 through 17. In Matthew, you have Joseph's side of the genealogy. And then in Luke's account, you have Mary's side of the genealogy. In Matthew's account, he goes all the way back to Abraham. In Luke's account, he goes all the way back to Adam. Somebody said, why in the world uh, did Matthew get a genealogy and did Luke get a genealogy, but Mark and John did not get one? Well, remember I said that Mark pictures Jesus Christ as a servant. Nobody cares about the genealogy of a servant. Nobody cares about that. And then John, he does give a little bit of a genealogy genealogy but it goes like this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and so even though Matthew goes back to Abraham and Luke goes back to Adam John goes further back than that and he goes to when there before there was a beginning but there's a reason he does that in Matthew Matthew he's presented as the king of the Jews to be a king you have to be in line in that family line in the gospel of Luke he's picture as the son of man thus speaking of his humanity how he became a man he took upon himself the form of servant he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh he was not sinful flesh but he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh and he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him verses 1 through 17 of our text gives us the ancestry the genealogy of the Lord Lord Jesus Christ. It was prophesied
prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus would be born through the lineage of David. Jeremiah 23 verses 5 and 6 teaches us that principle. It's also interesting to note, stay with me, I'm going somewhere, but it's also interesting to note that the Pharisees, they attack Jesus so much, they come against our Lord so much in his ministry, but one thing they never did was attack his genealogy. They never did claim that he was not the son of David because those records were kept up at the temple and they had already done their homework and realized he fit that genealogy. They, were, they knew who he was. They knew that he was the Messiah, but they willingly rejected him. That's where John 1 verse 11 comes in. He came into his own and his own received him not. There's the ancestors in verses 1 through 17. But then I would also say this in verses 1 through 17. There is the amazement. The reason I call it the amazement is because this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is the genealogy of a king. This is the genealogy of the one who is going to go to Calvary and suffer and bleed and die for our sins and rise again on the third day for our redemption. But have you ever read them 17 verses? I hope you have. If you've ever read Matthew, I hope you didn't skip over them. That is a motley crew in Matthew 1 verses 1 through 17. You got, here's your first one, Abraham. Lied about who his wife was. Had, had an adulterous relationship uh, with Hagar. That's pretty bad. How about this? Isaac, he also lied about his wife, lived on his flesh. Jacob, in verse number, verse number 3, he cheated his brother, deceived his father, was known as a supplanter and a hill catcher. Judah, who is mentioned in verse number 4, is Judas. He committed fornication with his daughter-in-law. Rahab, in verse number 5, was a harlot. Ruth, in verse number 5, was a Moabite. Verse number 6 talks about that Solomon was begat of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Speaking of David, it's adultery and murder and cover-up of Uriah the Hittite. That is a rough crew, and I'm amazed that in the middle of all that sin, by the way, that's just a few examples, but in the middle of all that sin, in the middle of all that wickedness, all of a sudden Jesus shows up. In fact, I look at that list and I say, Abraham, you have no business having your name associated with Jesus. David, you have no business having your name in the same list with Jesus. Hey, Judah, I know you co he come from your tribe, but you have no business having your name associated with him. But I want to remind you tonight, there is another record book. There is another genealogy. There is another book that has names written in it. And none of those names deserve to be in that list. But here's what Jesus said. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because because your names, your names are written in heaven. My name is in the book of life. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Abraham don't deserve to have his name in that list. Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, Ruth, they don't deserve that. But honey, I don't deserve to have my name recorded in the book of life. But I'm glad it's forever settled in heaven. That amazes me. There's the ancestors in this text. There is the amazement in this text. But I'm interested in verses 18 through 25 tonight. I want to read the text, explain the text, and apply the text to you. I'm interested in, in this little phrase in verse 18 that we're going to use for our thought tonight. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ 
was on this wise. There's the ancestors, the amazement, but I want to give you the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, there are other passages of Scripture, of course, in the Gospel of Luke that gives us a more detailed account, but Matthew gives us kind of an, uh, an overview, an overlook of the birth of Christ. And I want to say uh, three, th three or four or five or 20 or 30 things tonight out of this text. Don't worry, I've only got five things and I'm already eight minutes in. I've got 20 minutes left and I'll be done. But I want to look at this text and look at a good overview of the birth of Jesus Christ. First of all, in verse number 18, there is the discovery of the child. Verse 18, look at your Bible. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now let's unpack this verse a little bit. First of all, there is the identified people in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. This is the first time obviously that we are introduced to this couple we know much about their lives at the same time we know so little about their lives I read somewhere the other day by a, a man who called himself a theologian I greatly call that into question but he said that that uh, that Joseph was around 70 years old and Mary was around 14 years old as a customer today I don't believe that for one bit I believe this couple uh, were probably uh, in their in their I do believe Joseph was older because he died first. I believe Joseph is probably in his in his early 30s and Mary's in her late, late 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, and that's what that, that is what I believe. There's no scripture to prove that, but I don't believe the Lord will approve a 70-year-old man marrying a 14-year-old girl. Amen. And, and so we consider the man, Joseph. His name here means let him add. What do we know about Joseph? Well, he is of the tribe of Judah. He was a descendant of the Old Testament saints. And we know this about him. He was a hardworking man. He was a carpenter, according to Matthew 13, 55. It's amazing to me that when God was choosing the man to raise his son, he wanted a man that knew how to work. He wanted a man that knew how to do something with his hands and labor. And then we consider not only the man, but we consider the maid, Mary. She is also of the royal line of the king. As we said, her genealogy is given in Luke 3. And so we see this couple. We've already preached on Mary. Uh, but they're, they're, I believe they're converted. In our mind's eye, they're converted. They are believers in God. Uh, they are believers in the fact that a Messiah is coming. So there's the identified people. But then there's the the interesting problem in verse 18 before they came together she was found with child now the Bible in verse number verse number 19 we'll get to in a moment is going to call Joseph her husband but we got to understand the culture of that day they had an espousal time now the spousal time was in three stages the first came what we would call the engagement oftentimes it was arranged by their parents it was the custom of that day let's all take a moment and thank God those days are over Amen. I mean, uh, I mean, amen, that's right. And uh, so they would, they would be engaged even while they were still uh, young children. They, they would be engaged. And then second became the betrothal time, which was a formal ratification of the agreement when they came to age. And they were allowed to call each other husband and wife, but they had not, and I'll be kind, but they had not yet come together and consummated that marriage. They were legally married, but they had not physically consummated that relationship. 
And then the third stage uh, was when the marriage would take place and marital rights would be given. Mary and Joseph are in that second stage right now. They are betrothed. They are betrothed to one another. So you can understand the shock and the confusion to Joseph when Mary shows up in the motherly way. He knows he is not the father. It appears that she has told him about the conversation that Gabriel the angel has had. Can you imagine Joseph? He's got his plans and his dreams, and now those have been shattered. There is the identified problem, uh, the interesting problem, but then there is the incarnation produced. She was found with child. These last four words are very important. Of the Holy Ghost. We must remember that Joseph is not the father of the Lord Jesus. Jesus had to correct Mary about that in Luke chapter number 2 when she said, Thy father and I sought thee. And he said, Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Joseph was his foster father, but was not his fraternal father. Had Joseph, had somebody said, well, preacher, why, why is the virgin, by the way, we still believe in the virgin birth as a cardinal fundamental doctrine we hold to. I said, preacher, why is that so important? Because had Jesus been born of the physical relationship produced between Mary and Joseph, then that means Jesus would have been born with a sin nature. And thus he would not have been qualified as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. I know that's technical, but that's doctrine. And that's something we better make sure we have nailed down. He was not the product of Mary having an affair with a Roman soldier, as says some people teach. He was a virgin. So I said, I just don't believe uh, that a baby can get here without the help of a father. Adam and Adam and Eve got here without the help of a mama or a daddy. Explain that one away. It is important to note, as we have mentioned, that that umbilical cord that, that mother has in her womb attached to that baby, all the nutrients, all, all the vitamins, uh, goes from that mother to that child except for the blood. The blood comes from the father. Thus Joseph was not his father. And thus Jesus contained the very blood of God. Now that bothers some theologians. But that's just the way it is. He had to get his blood from somewhere. And he couldn't have got it from Mary. His blood was pure. His blood was holy. It was precious blood is what Peter called it. Amen. I read behind some men that have greater minds and greater intellect than I do, but I don't know how they struggle with things as such as that. He was the pure, holy Son of God, and thank God for His precious blood. The discovery of the child. Number 2, verse 19, the difficult circumstance. I'm hurrying. Joseph's in a difficult spot. First of all, verse 19, we find he was a lawful man. The Bible says, in Joseph, her husband, being a just man. I'm not being rude tonight, but unlike the day and age we live in, it was not celebrated when a young lady came up in the motherly way without a husband. It's not the baby's fault. And by the way, can I be honest with you tonight? It's not a mistake. Can I say this in a nice kind of way? When you're fooling around, what do you expect to happen? Amen. And I, I'm trying to be kind, but it's all we made a mistake. That's not a mistake. That is a planned event. Amen. And so this phrase, Joseph, everybody all right with that? I know that's kind of plain, but that's just the truth. The phrase, and by the way, that baby don't need to be aborted. That baby needs to be taken care of. And that man needs to step up, marry that girl, and take care of that. 
We got a lot of fellows that want to father children but don't want to be a father to children. This phrase, a just man, means he was a true man, an honest man. In other words, Joseph wanted to do the right thing. He was a lawful man. He was a loving man. Verse 19, and not willing to make her a public example. Not only did Joseph want to do what was right by the law, but he wanted to do what was right by love. He loved Mary. He still wanted to show compassion towards her. The public example in the extreme measures had to do with Mary being stoned. He was a lawful man. He was a loving man. He was a logical man. Verse 19. He was minded to put her away privately. Now I've heard all my life that means that Joseph was going to take Mary out back and stone her. I don't think that's what that means. He was minded to put her away privately. That privately according to the book of Deuteronomy was he could give her a writing of divorcement. And doing it privately that could be done before the city or it could be done by just giving her a piece of paper and her go her way and he goes his way. Not willing to make her a public example and put her to shame. He was just going to get the divorce papers filled out, put her away privately. Read the book of Deuteronomy. I think I didn't write the reference. I don't know why I didn't get the reference down, but I can get it to you if you want it. He was wanting to put her away privately. I don't think he was going to kill Mary. I think he was divorcing her, putting her away. That putting away is a, is a divorce term. It's not always killing. It's a divorce. Could she have been stoned? Yes. But she could have been put away for a divorce. He was a logical man. We see the discovery of a child. We see the difficult circumstance. Verse 20, the divine confirmation. Y'all still with me? We notice the appearing in verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Now, we understand that in this New Testament dispensation, church aid, this appearing, God speaks through his Bible. He don't speak through angels. Hey, he don't speak through dreams. Amen. Somebody said, well, in the last days, young men will dream dreams. Uh, old men will see visions. Young men will dream dreams. Would you please put that in, your con- in the context? Amen. He has spoken through his Bible. Somebody said, I wish God would speak to me. Open up your Bible. I, I like the meme I saw on Facebook. I wish God would speak to me audibly. Read it out loud. Oh, yes, friend. And, and, so, and, and so we understand God does not do that anymore. But aren't you glad when you find yourself in a difficult circumstance, you can find a word from God? There's the appearing in verse 20. There's the assurance in verse 20, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not and take thee marry thy wife. To be honest in our text, you know what Joseph's doing? He's doing what every man in this room would be doing. He's struggling. I know I'm not the daddy. Has she been unfaithful to me? Has my wife? I mean, that's not, that's not like Mary's character. That's not like her. He's struggling in his mind. You ever struggle in your mind? Three people. That's so amazing. The rest of you must not have a mind. Because I struggle a lot. There's a big battle that goes on up here. And whether you want to be honest with you or not, there are times that things, I, I was having a, can I, I'll just be transparent with you. I had a conversation with my wife today, and I said, you know, I get up and preach that God will give people grace through difficulties, through trial and storm, and then I watch them do that, and sometimes I'm standing back saying, all right, where's it at? Now, I know you've never thought that before. I know you're just always kicking your shoes off with pegs, singing God on the mountain. you got it all together. But sometimes I'm wondering, okay, is what I'm preaching really taking effect? Is God really going to? And we know he will, but sometimes we can't see it. Talk to me now. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm glad God can grant assurance. And God can grant hope. There's the appearing. There's the assurance. There's the announcement. Verse 20, for that which is conceived of her is of 
the Holy Ghost. I love how our Bible goes to extreme measures over and over and over and over again to prove that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost. So I said, well, that's just being repetitive. No, he is making it absolutely clear. There is the declaration of Christ, verse number 21 through 23. He begins to tell Joseph about him. Verse 21, he talks about the person of Christ. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. In this verse, I see a need for Christ. Thou shalt bring forth a son. Why was there a need for Christ? Because man had plunged himself into sin. Romans 5, 12, Romans 3, 23, Romans 6, 23. We are all guilty before God. Boy, that's why people don't want to get saved anymore. They don't see themselves as guilty. I'm writing a book on salvation right now that Miss Linda's helping me with. And, and um, I'm dealing right now uh, with the element of people uh, and, and the term soul winning and, and winning people to Christ and being a witness or whatever you want to put on that. And uh, I had a conversation with a, with a man yesterday on the phone uh, that was very kind to me to answer some tough questions that I had uh, about how he was trained. And I asked him, I said, this whole... Uh, one, two, three, repeat after me. Is that true? Is that the way you were taught to win souls? He said, yes. He said, we were taught just to get them to say the prayer. Not, not get caught up in all the logistics. Explain that later. You know, it ain't amazing that Jesus dealt with the woman of the well sin? Go call your husband. He dealt with Nicodemus. He deal and by the way, it ain't a cookie-cutter thing. He dealt... With everybody different. I, I'm doing a study on that right now. And, and Brother Richie, he dealt with Nicodemus one way, and he dealt with the woman of the well this way, and he dealt with the rich young ruler a different way. Zacchaeus, I mean, everybody, he just had. So I said, Is there many ways to heaven? No, there's only one way to heaven, but everybody's different. And he's got to deal with them about their sin, and people won't get saved until they admit they are a sinner. They are guilty before God. By the way, that's what Romans 1, 2, and 3 is about. It is convincing man of his guilt. And so Romans 4 and 5 is showing man God's grace. So there is a need for Christ. I didn't mean to get on that, but I'm glad I did. But then there's the name of Christ. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. You're looking at a preacher tonight, and they can take this on the Internet and make fun if they want to. They ain't really had any good material lately. But I believe that capitalization of that word, Jesus, is exactly correct. Amen. I believe that means it puts that emphasis, that importance on it. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Acts 4 teaches us that there is none other name given in heaven whereby we must be saved. John Phillips made this statement. He said, suppose I were to write you a check. These young people don't know what a check is. He said, but suppose I were to write you a check for a million dollars. He said, you'd be no better off for having that check because my name is not good to back up that check. But you put Donald Trump's name on there. He put the Rothschilds, but y'all know who that is. We all know who Trump is. Oh, yeah, Trump train, choo-choo. If you didn't know who I was voting for after Sunday night, y'all ought to know, okay? Uh, but if you put Donald Trump's name on that check, then that has some credibility because that you know behind that name, there is the ability to provide what has been put on that check. 
That is why there is no salvation, no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. If you put it in the name of Buddha, there ain't nothing to back up that supply. If you put it in the name of Mahana, there ain't nothing to back up. But if you put it in the name of Jesus, thank God, there is abundant grace to save any sinner that will come to him on the terms of the gospel. The person of Christ. Then there's the purpose of Christ. Verse 21, for he shall save his people from their sins. Why was he coming? To heal blind people? No. To raise dead people? No. All that was is to get them to a point. I preached it last Wednesday night. All those miracles, all those healings were getting people to the point of evangelizing them with the gospel. For he shall save his people from their sins. Truly we can all say tonight we have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There is the prophecy of Christ. Verse 22 and verse 23. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. I heard, I heard some fools say one time, yeah, they named God wrong. They said his name is supposed to be Emmanuel and they named him Jesus. I wanted to say, you fool, don't you have multiple names? My name is Joshua Caleb Montgomery. I have three names right there. But then, I'm a daddy. That's another name. I'm a pastor. That's another name. I'm a hunk. Or chunk. I can't remember what she called me. Uh, but I have different names. But I'm one person. He's Jesus. That means Savior. He's Emmanuel. That means God with us. Put them together. There's a Savior with us. And He came to save His people from their sins. This prop, I ain't got time to do all this, but this prophecy that Matthew is referencing here, it all it goes all the way back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. But I'm glad the prophecy of Christ goes beyond Isaiah, but it goes all the way back to Genesis. But it actually goes beyond that to the determinate counsel that Peter references in the book of Acts before eternity began. Hey, man, before man ever fell, there was a Savior. God's always been ahead of the devil. Here's the last thing. Verse 24 and 25, I'm done. I hope this has made sense tonight. I've enjoyed walking through this. There's a deliberate conduct. Watch Joseph's activity, verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Upon hearing this information, Joseph responded with obedience to God's word. I love Joseph's accountability. Look at verse 25. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Joseph retained character and integrity until after Jesus was born. He, let's just be honest, I'm not trying to be rude tonight. He delivered the child. But he did not touch Mary in an inappropriate way until after he was born. That's character. That's integrity. That's accountability. We are missing that in pulpits. We are missing that in churches. How we need that character and that integrity. Where is integrity gone? Where is character gone? And the last thing, Joseph's accreditation. And he called his name Jesus. I've said this over and over again. Every year I preach this at Christmas. It's only recorded that Joseph ever said one thing in the Bible. Jesus. If you can only say one thing, that would be a good thing to say, wouldn't it? You know, as I read this, this text over the last week and studied it, you know, it looks like God's going through a lot of trouble. I mean, he's having to send an angel to Gabriel, uh, uh, Gabriel to Mary. 
Then he sends him to Joseph, and he's working on all these objects. And it looks like God's going through a lot of trouble. But you know what? I, I, I was reminded of this verse in Hebrews. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I, I leave you this closing statement. Come on, Brother Matthew, I'm done. I leave you this closing statement tonight. We all say it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. Have you ever thought about the fact that when he sees us, Calvary's worth it all to him? All the trouble's worth it all to him. Boy, I'm grateful for that tonight. Let's stand, take that red back hymn and turn to page 139. We're going to close out with singing at Calvary tonight. Page 139. I want us to lift our voice together. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. Lift your voice before we go home tonight. Let's sing together. Years I spent...